0: Welcome to the show. You are now part of Reveal, the revenue intelligence podcast powered by Gong. We're your hosts, Devin Reed.
1: And I'm Sheena Badani. Revenue intelligence is a new way of operating based on customer reality instead of opinions, making data driven decisions based on facts instead of opinions or guesswork.
0: And it's made up of three success pillars, people success, deal success and strategy success. You know, the things all revenue teams need and care about. Every week, we interview senior revenue professionals, and they share their stories and insights on how they leverage revenue intelligence to drive success and win their market.
1: You'll hear how modern go-to-market teams win as a team, close revenue with critical deal insight, and execute their strategic initiatives, plus all the challenges that come along with it.
0: Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back the Reveal podcast. Sheena is hiding her laughter.
1: <laughs> she loves when I
0: do the DJ routine here.
1: You should have been a radio show host. If you there really was should. more money
0: in radio, I would have pursued. Maybe yeah. radio will make a comeback, if yeah. not, if podcasting doesn't do it for me. Yeah. <laughs> Since last time we hung out, Sheena, we enjoyed Christmas. What is your Christmas tradition with you and your family?
1: So we kind of switch it up a lot. Um, this year was different because we had big fat Indian wedding week. So mm. we, I had a, a wedding event every single day, except on the 25th.
0: Indian weddings are essentially a holiday in and of themselves because they're about four days long. It can be around six events. I know firsthand I had one earlier this year. Yes. Um, so adding Christmas and an Indian wedding together just sounds like a fantastic time.
1: Yeah, basically.
0: <laughs> now that was probably your highlight. I'm always curious, what was your, what's your least favorite part of Christmas? Or the holiday season in general?
1: Oh, I think it just gets hectic. Like, uh, like I'm truly an introvert, so I really? do like my alone time and, like, kind of doing nothing. And that does not happen over the holidays. Not with
0: an Indian wedding. No. no. <laughs> not with an
1: Indian wedding. <laughs> not being with a lot of family, you know, yeah. everybody in one house. So, um, I would say that's probably it. Like, just getting some alone time. What about you?
0: I I knew you would flip the question, so I had an answer. And you're not going to like my answer because you know I don't dress up for Halloween. Um, Apparently, (laughs) I am Scrooge. I didn't really realize this until you you called me out earlier this week. But I hate Christmas music. I don't (laughs) want to hear it at all. I was walking through the mall the other day and it was playing. It is is nails on chalkboard for me. Uh, But I do enjoy the family, the gifts, the food. I'm not a totally awful person. I just, the music is a no-go.
1: Well, one day when you have your own little kiddos and you're forced to go to Christmas carols and things at the school and listen to it 24-7.
0: I heard Christmas carols in the mall over the weekend and I like ran the other way.
1: I couldn't (laughs) handle it. But
0: anyway, we talked to Marjorie. She's the SVP of global sales at HackerOne. What were your takeaways?
1: Marjorie's awesome. So like I actually worked with her at MongoDB. She is super focused. She gets shit done She is very data driven and metrics oriented, as you'll hear in the conversation. So I thought that was really interesting and and great to hear from a sales leader. So I can just see her as the head of sales in this organization and everybody is amazed and awed by her.
0: I agree. I'm going to have to take a quick sidebar. This just became my favorite podcast episode because I finally got Sheena to curse, uh, which has been my lifelong goal because I do it too often. But yes, going back to it, if I had to describe the interview in three words, it would be strategy, hackers, and data, yeah. which kind of fits exactly with what we do minus hackers.
1: On point, on point.
0: All right. Let's dive into our interview with Marjorie Jenowitz, SVP of Global Sales at Hacker One. Marjorie, thank you for joining us today
2: thank you for having me
0: we always love to start by hearing how people start their day so i'd love to know what your go-to morning routine is
2: yeah so i guess i'm a very early bird mm. uh i wake up around 4 in the morning because oh, wow. i need my time to uh kind of think and plan the day so i leave at four i wake up at 4 in the morning and then uh, I have that weird routine where I dry my hair for about 45 minutes, <laughs> but the point is not to dry my hair. My point is looking at my calendar while I do dry my hair and uh. kind of plan for the day. Um, and then I drive to work, and that time then is just to think about what's in my on my calendar and kind of thinking about what some of the key things I want to accomplish during the day. So. I guess the key point of my morning routine is the drying the hair while looking at my calendar. Multitasking.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. multitasking <laughs> yes. You are up and multitasking before I am up. So that is impressive. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're the um, SVP of global sales at HackerOne. Can you help folks who maybe don't know what HackerOne is?
2: Sure, so uh, I am very proud uh, of working for HackerOne because uh, it's one of those rare companies that manage to match humans with uh, software and systems. Mm-hmm. So basically, we have a community of 600,000 hackers that are there to find security vulnerabilities in software. Got it. Mm. Uh, so for the first time, the, the man may be beating the machine because the, the beauty of hacker-powered security is finding vulnerabilities with humans through software.
0: How would you describe your role as the SVP of sales, as the head of sales there?
2: Yeah, so I've I've been at HackerOne for four years, and it almost feels like every year I fire myself and rehire myself for a different role. Mm.
0: (laughs) Um,
2: So I'll speak about my role in the the coming 12 months, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, We've grown uh, exponentially, so my my role is first to really uh, decide of a long-term strategy that's going to help us sustain uh, our growth. Mm -hmm. And with that, it's uh, also about hiring just amazing talents so that... uh, what we used to be a very small sales team becomes something uh, larger uh, with great people that are going to be able to uh, sustain our culture, our processes and all of that. So strategy and then um, hiring the right people and then finally a, a lot of it is just also getting my hands dirty and participating into those large strategic deals that may uh, kind of give great direction uh, to our business in the long term.
0: So. That's great. How, how large was the sales team when you started and how large, I guess, will be by the end of this year?
2: Yeah, so when, when I started, there was uh, zero really sellers or one, should I say. Okay. Y- oh, wow, <laughs> yes. I, uh, it was important for me this time around to start uh sales team from ground zero. So I get to uh, hopefully do right from the beginning. And uh, today we have about 80
1: sellers uh, globally wow. and we should be about 120 by the end of next year. What were some of the requirements that you had or some of the things that you had learned from other teams that you had been a part of that you wanted to bring into the culture of your own sales org?
2: So for me, the, the first uh, big objective was to kind of have a, a vision of what the sales team would look like over time, what the processes would look like over time, and try to make some investment either in people, process or systems sooner rather than mm-hmm. later. The other component was also making sure that we have our hiring profile quite nailed at the beginning. So the type of people you bring on today, maybe people that can help you scale the sales team over time. So having a good uh, idea of the culture we want to create and and therefore the type of people you want to bring in as early as possible. Having uh, a consistent uh, framework to create a common language between sales, marketing. Mm -hmm. So we did that quite early at HackerOne so that from the, the beginning uh, the voice of the customer and the prospect is a uh, core of our framework and the way we go to market, not only in sales, but
1: uh, across uh, all very important departments uh, at One. When you identified those first reps that you hired, what were the qualities yeah. that you saw in them that helped you know that, okay, this is somebody that I could envision on my team today and in four years when we are an 80, 100% org.? What was very important to me is to
2: make sure we were hiring uh, people that were here, not only to make money because it sells, but people that were here to really build a company. So mm-hmm. company builders, so people that would have the endurance uh, to see the ups and downs of our early stage uh, startup. So making sure that we had folks that were hungry, driven, but most importantly, people that were very much... Uh, a uh, mission-driven that believed mm. into uh, what we're going to, to be doing for the world. Our mission is to make the internet safer. Uh, I guess this has really helped us differentiate ourselves against our competition in the market, having reps that are really there to problem solve with our customers, creating a new industry because hacker-powered security mm-hmm. didn't really exist uh, before HackerOne started uh, started the business. So a lot of those folks today over the last four years have been promoted to leadership or uh, higher segments in the organization. And sometimes salespeople are very current operated, which is great. But if you match that to being mission driven and wanted to build a great company, I think you get magic at the end. So that's yeah. great.
0: Well, I was going to say, I mean, besides closing Q4, what <laughs> else are you working on? Maybe... To, to wrap up this year, or perhaps what are you focusing on for 2020?
2: Yeah, I, actually this year has felt quite different because our mission this year is to have comp plans out by January 1. <laughs> <I'm sure laughs> so the team appreciates that. <laughs> the, the, team, uh, the team is uh, believing in our ability to get there. So we, we, we've been doing a lot of planning for the past, uh, I guess, 90 days. So a lot of it with uh, uh, electing the right metrics that we want to go after, starting to think about ways to segment the team, thinking about uh, rules of engagement, uh, the company is now global, so starting to think about how are we going to show presence to our customers across multiple regions. So a, a lot mm-hmm. of it is really planning, metrics, comp plan, how is. And then um, as we go deeper into the enterprise, I think we, we are also evolving our ability to uh, prioritize accounts we want to go after. Mm-hmm. So a lot of it has been building the, the fundamentals for account scoring and really deploying sales teams based on where our market potential is. So a lot of planning.
0: What are some of the metrics that maybe you're changing from and moving towards, or at least you know, why are you making some of these changes?
2: Yeah, I think over time, everybody gets a little bit more intelligent about how they use metric and mm-hmm. metrics and I, maybe there's a secret sauce, but I think it's more of a continuous learning than kind of an ideal state. So we, we always start from the basic metrics of number of deals, ASP, number of, of accounts, mm-hmm. uh, targeted time to close and all of that. I think where uh, a lot of the, the continuous learning is coming from is starting to uh, understand where the pipeline is coming from and how do we start having predictability in that conversion from pipeline to opportunities to deals based on different sources. So uh, adding a lot of systems to help us get there, Uh, we are transitioning towards account-based marketing and selling, Mm -hmm. so I think with that, the type of metrics we look at are a little bit different. And then also there's a lot of reflecting back between uh, the metrics we had planned for this year and where we landed, trying to understand um, how more predictable we can get over time. Yeah. We've added a ton of tools at every step of the process to help us, um, again, I guess, get more visibility. Uh, we have spent uh, a lot of time in the past six months guiding the sales managers on what data to look where and when so that we don't get uh, overwhelmed by that massive amount of uh, data we get nowadays. So it's uh, an elegant dance between using data, but also being agile and changing how we use those metrics to drive uh, decisions, I guess.
1: What does that relationship look like between sales ops, you as a sales leader, finance team, and your CFO in terms of like, determining what are the right set of metrics looking at what's important then determining the next recommended steps on how to take the business forward based on some of those insights
2: that's a such a great question and i i think uh, it has dramatically changed and this year particularly uh, even more so Uh, so the the definitions and the the choice of metrics uh, was very much decided by sales and sales ops until very recently uh, but our finance team is really moving towards uh, a revenue apps model. So basically, what this means is agreeing what are the core metrics we want to report on together with finance, and starting having finance uh, being the the one group that actually runs the analytics and the, the pulls the data uh, to 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 give us that data and give it to the board. I think it's just wonderful to start having data and analytics being run out of sales, because it always felt kind of weird that we were the ones reporting on ourselves. So mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. having um, the choice of the metrics, the definition of those metrics, uh, started to be run more on the, uh, the finance side is helping us kind of create that additional layer of uh, accountability towards uh, meeting those, those metrics and evolving them. Having kind of that neutral place to run sales uh, uh, analytics is great because then you kind of eliminate uh, the bias of uh, having sales looking at its own kind of data, mm-hmm. and so I think it's a it's a great change change and shift. Yeah, interesting.
0: So you've been ahead of sales for some pretty complex go-to-market teams mm-hmm. like uh, SuccessFactors, right? And yeah. It was, it was purchased by SAP, uh, MongoDB, now mm-hmm. HackerOne. Uh, I'm curious, what are some of the successful strategies that you've rolled out with these teams and any stories are welcome?
2: My biggest learning, I guess, and I guess pride uh, over the, the last few years is uh, creating that common language or, or common framework between sales, marketing, customer success, product and engineering, mm-hmm. I just think is absolutely game changing. And from all those conversations, we then brought su- multiple people across the organization uh, from so marketing, uh, CS, etc, uh, and product in the room to really define what is that value framework how is it that we want to go to market who is it that we're going to go after with what messaging and having that that framework in the in the earlier days has really helped us to have the voice of the customers and the prospects uh, embedded in everything that all departments do at any point in time. So that consistent framework, mm-hmm. I think has helped us really move faster in building a, a value prop and a go to market that uh, just resonate very much with, uh, with our customers and prospects and help us just move extremely fast, yeah, which yeah. is good.
1: In every episode, we have a data breakout or a quick sidebar to look at the data. Marjorie mentioned a specific focus on being customer-centric, so what does that mean to you? By definition, customer-centric is an approach to doing business that focuses on providing a positive customer experience, both at the point of sale and after the sale, in order to drive profit and gain a competitive advantage. It is easier said than done, I know, and a lot of organizations strive for this, but how many are really executing against this principle? So in an effort to understand what types of cultures are associated with higher performance, we looked at data from CSO Insights 2018 Sales Performance Report, in which they asked sales leaders how they would describe their culture. Of the top performing sales orgs, 50% identified themselves as customer centric. Compare this to only 20% of the lowest performing orgs. Interestingly, having a customer-centric culture also had strong correlations to both higher levels of relationship and higher levels of process. So it's safe to conclude that aligning your sales process with your customer's path and not the other way around is specifically important to maximize both revenue and customer satisfaction.
0: With 2020 around the corner, we're going to hit a lot of SKOs, Yes, which means a lot of (laughs) new differentiation talk tracks, new pitch decks, new, new demos. What are some of the tips you have for the sales leaders listening to make sure that those frameworks that you just discussed, right, that happened in, you know, the the C-suite, make it all the way down to the frontline managers and the reps in the trenches?
2: I think uh, what we've learned and what I've learned over the years, I guess, is the purpose of, uh, I think, SKO is to bring uh, the sales team together. And I think the worst mistake that I've seen made and I've made myself is just using SKO as just that moment in time where you blast 150 slides to the sales (laughs) team saying, here we go, this is the new product, this is the new value prop, Uh, just go at it. Mm -hmm. Um, So we we are using SKO more as a a way to get people engaged and it's a very collaborative couple of days. So there's not that much Def by PowerPoint where we just push out the new training. It's actually leveraging either uh, customers coming on site to share their stories uh, or reps sharing their their wins or their losses. So a lot of uh, uh, collaborative sessions that Mm -hmm. happen during SKO. So what this means is a lot of the the practical trainings around uh, new pricing, new product actually happens before that. Um, so we do. Um, we have uh, monthly enablement calls uh, on top of uh, uh, our, our normal uh, bootcamp. So we, we push a lot of the kind of I would hate saying this, but boring content mm. before S K O, and S K O then becomes uh, an occasion to just uh, talk live, av- having people sharing, having customers sharing, so that kind of S K O becomes the practice versus the the
1: theory. I think a lot of your early sales experience was leading inside sales yeah i'm curious what was that transition like as you shifted from running inside sales to now all of sales yeah and how can folks that run inside sales best position themselves to you know step into the role that you're in today what are some yeah. of those differentiators that they can really um, hone in on for me i
2: kind of sold in the field earlier in my career uh back in europe uh at uh at Oracle, so for me it was more of a kind of Mm -hmm. merging the experience in inside sales and the experience uh, in the field from the past. I guess at at the end it all all comes back to understanding what is your customer profile um, and understanding what the different steps in the sales process uh, uh, are. You are dealing with a high volume of transactions. Um, we have to kind of break down the process in a lot of different pieces to make Mm -hmm. it repeatable and scalable. At the end, uh, you can do that in enterprise as well, and actually you need to do that in enterprise as well, breaking the steps of the sales process in multiple pieces. The only difference between inside and field, particularly in the enterprise, is that those processes are just way more complex. Mm -hmm. So you gain a a lot of discipline in inside sales around... Uh, understanding the sales process itself once you have that discipline, is' kind of applying that to larger deals more mm-hmm. complex. Uh, so from a sales leadership perspective, I think the transition is actually not as brutal as it seems to be. Mm-hmm. So I think my biggest advice for people that are obsessed with, oh, can I go into the field because it's so different with inside sales, whether you are an IC or a sales leader. I think uh, the key is always just to remember that those are humans, those are customers. It's about understanding their process. And once you have discipline in doing that, you can scale that across any type of segments. Right, right. I also think the world has changed. Like 10 years ago, when you were a field rep, you were um, on the road like 95% of the Mm -hmm. time. Bottom line is like a lot of the, the buyers, even in the enterprise today, don't necessarily want to meet face to face every day. They appreciate the flexibility to meet over uh, video conferencing, on phone calls. So I I think the the line is now a little blurred. I think a lot of the field versus inside sales divisions are kind of uh, Mm -hmm. becoming blurry and reps at the end of the day are becoming more hybrid reps. at the end, to me, it's more uh, about the segment and how you go to market in that segment versus inside versus versus field. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. if you can sell on the phone, you can sell anywhere, anytime.
0: Yeah? I guess along those lines, what's your coaching style yeah. uh, when it comes to developing? Because I imagine you know your inside sales reps probably a different type of uh, demographic. Maybe mm-hmm. they learn differently, and they probably have different needs than your 20 plus you know years yeah. of experience people in the field. So I'm curious, you know if and how you differentiate your coaching, what that style is?
2: Yes, you, d- you definitely need to uh, adjust it uh, for sure. The way I would answer the question relate back to the type of people you hire. So whether y- you know we hire people that are in their second year of selling or people that have 20 years of selling, we always look for people that are eager to learn yeah. uh, and also eager to give and receive feedback. So even if we hire veteran in, in sales, uh, at the end of the day, they still need to learn the product. Uh, they still need to learn the value framework we use. So it's just the, the coaching is going to be different because you may just uh, provide feedback and give feedback on different things. But uh, we only hire people that want to get better and, and that can learn. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so from that, uh, if you have that as the core, I think uh, the the coaching becomes more on the basics with the the folks that are a little bit earlier in their career. So literally the the components of selling is what you're teaching the reps versus for the the reps that are a little bit more experienced, you're trying to coach them on how to unlock their deals. But um, Mm -hmm. so the the culture of feedback is just here uh, every single day, um, which I think uh, people that have stopped learning at the end, it's kind of... uh, be a little bit depressing so we try we try right. to hire people that s- still have that in there in their bellies.
1: And I see that theme of reflection coming back in there again. So you're working on a deal, take that time to step back and Mm -hmm. see how did it go.
2: It's even more important for us because we are building a new industry. So it's not like uh, we're asking people to sell something that they've sold before. Mm -hmm. So it's very important to keep um, an open eye and open ears on what the market is telling us. So I think there's not only the coaching side, but making sure the reps are actually curious enough, regardless of their levels, to... Understand what work and what doesn't because the nobody has done hacker powered security before sure. mm-hmm. so we, we also take that uh, Feedback from their side to enrich our messaging or go to market etc. Yeah,
1: what are some of the unanswered questions that you're currently? Um, contemplating and trying to figure out a hacker one today
2: The ones I can share uh, I don't know if any company has really nailed this uh, or not, but uh, the understanding the where the pipeline is coming from and influence of pipeline over time, so marketing attribution versus outbound. But uh, I think there's still a lot of unanswered questions yes. on is this, uh, is this really accurate mm-hmm. or how can we definitely make sure we focus on
1: the right accounts at the right time? So a lot yeah. of uh, unanswered questions about mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. I'm curious, like the, the hackers that you find, so it's almost like a marketplace of hackers yeah. that are now going out and figuring out is the is the software secure enough where there are holes that actual hackers can poke into? Yes. Do you have any interesting stories of like hackers that you've been able to join the marketplace? And
2: Yeah, th- there's a lot of uh, great stories. So we have 600 uh, hackers on our platform and you're very correct. It's a kind of, a, it, it is a marketplace. It's almost like the Uber of security it's kind of, there's always an elegant dance between are we a marketplace, are we a, a software as a service platform, we're, mm-hmm. kind, of, uh, we're kind of both. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, 10 years ago, it was uh, uh, illegal to hack. And even to this day, when people ask me or, or others at well, oh no, what do you do? Well, we, you know, we, we have uh, hackers finding security vulnerabilities on, on systems. People are like, what, <laughs> isn't, <laughs> it, isn't that illegal? Basically, HackerOne in the past, really six to, to seven years, has been on a mission to show the world that there's a great opportunities in having people that have great skills that are good hackers, white hat hackers, to be engaged through the platform to find vulnerabilities. Mm-hmm. But then you get those stories that k- kind of, when this happens, as a sales you know, I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this guy is saying this. <laughs> but then there's a the story of a, a great hacker called uh, Tommy. Uh, Tommy today is uh, a $1 million hacker uh, on our platform. So he got paid a million bucks oh, wow. on HackerOne wow. finding vulnerabilities. As a matter of fact, this morning, he got a job offer to join Wells Fargo full-time in their security team. Oh,
1: interesting. But the
2: story is that 10 years ago, he was uh, literally arrested by the FBI for trying to hack into a computer system. So he went to federal prison 10 years ago. Uh, but the guy is just gifted in finding security vulnerabilities. He wants to, to help the world and do good. But 10 years ago, hacking was illegal. Mm-hmm. Sure. So th- those are great stories just to show how the world is changing. Yeah. And our, our mission is just to make uh, the world hacker a good word, so yeah. that you yeah. don't have to say white hat or black hat, black hat every, every other day. We launched uh, in the past five years, a few um, exercises with the government. So even the Pentagon is asking hackers to yeah. hack the government to mm-hmm. find security vulnerabilities. And that's when the government has uh, hundreds of thousands of security specialists at the government. So it's sure. pretty cool. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. What would be your recommendation for sales folks in terms of what skill they should focus on in 2020?
2: I guess the, the number one skill is just to always have a, a, a nose for what is the business problem you're trying to address so i think if people can just uh, continue to focus on understanding you know what is the business outcome those companies are seeking through your services or your platform i think uh, a lot more sales people would be uh, very successful so business outcome is uh, <laughs> kind of my uh, <laughs> skill recommendation for uh, for ICs, and then for sales leaders i i i would just uh if you can combine uh, hiring the right people, um, you know sales leaders, hiring great uh, frontline managers who are then hiring uh, right ICs, and then combining them with being data-driven and systematizing their sales process, process, hiring the right people, and then uh, culture, I guess, is probably the, the three things I would keep in mind.
0: The holy trinity for Marjorie. The holy trinity, <laughs>
2: that's for sure, yes. All right, yeah. well,
0: last question we like to ask most people. How would you define sales in one word?
2: Execution. Execution, yeah. no hesitation yeah. with execution. execution. Yeah, <laughs> I think, uh, you know, sales is just all about
1: making it happen.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, Marjorie, thank you yeah. for joining us. You delivered and this was fantastic. Thank, thank you. you
1: very much for Thanks having so me. so much. Thank you. <laughs> Every week, we bring you a micro-action. It can be as simple as something to think about or an action you can put into play today. Let's think about execution. It's what all sales teams pride themselves on. Can you actually get things done? In an effort to constantly improve, it can be challenging to prioritize what to focus on now. To help, start with your why, your most important goals for the year. Will optimizing conversion from discovery to demo make the biggest impact? Or should you double down on how you score and hand off leads from marketing to sales? Another great exercise to get your team bought in and mindful of where they can improve their execution is by asking them. Ask your sales reps to list out their strengths. Where are they great at executing? Where can they improve? To help prompt them to get past surface answers, ask them to think about a deal they won. What do they do especially well to win the deal? Now reflect on a lost deal. Where do they misstep or where could they have executed better? Bonus points if you can get the whole team to share to create a sense of ownership and value in development.
0: Did you like today's episode? Subscribe now so next week's episode will be waiting for you on Monday.
1: And if you really like the podcast, please leave a review. Five-star reviews go a long way to help get the word out there.
0: And if you're not ready to give a five, check out another episode and see if we've won you over by then.
1: And if you have any feedback or you want us to interview one of your favorite revenue leaders, just email us at reveal at gong.io.